Welcome to this episode of Real Christianity. My name is Dale Partridge, where each week I offer 15 to 20 minute answers to tough theological and pastoral questions. This is a 100% listener-supported audio ministry of relearn.org. And for those who don't know, our mission at relearn.org is to educate and equip ordinary Christians to plant biblical, confessional, and missional house churches. For more information, just visit relearn.org forward slash house. All right, so do you cry when you meditate on the gospel? Does God's love captivate you and, and fill every free second of your day? Do you ever feel that your uh, passion for Christ seems so small in comparison to others? Do you want to have that awe and wonder of the gospel uh, that we see in so many preachers and evangelists? Well, we're going to be discussing this and more, uh, but before we begin, I just want to make one quick announcement. Uh, as you guys know, we have a handful of companion ministries here at relearn.org to uh, support our greater ministry, meaning that we have a few other ministry products that we have, and uh, people support our ministry by buying these products. Uh, one of them is standinvictory.org, which is a program on breaking free from pornography according to the gospel. Another one is ultimatemarriage.com, and Ultimate Marriage is a six-week marriage uh, training program that's built on biblical principles. It's my wife and I, Veronica. We are talking about uh, the, the mission of, of marriage, the theology behind marriage, the biblical roles of marriage, the uh, money, sex, the children, all these elements, and these difficult parts of marriage. And we talk about them through a biblical lens. And we also uh, have broken this down into a really great six-week program where it's six videos, uh, it's got six little worksheets to do as a couple. You can do it in a small group. You can do it as just a one-on-one, -on -one, um, just you and your spouse. But it's a great program. It's been $199 for the last two years. And we have just slashed the price in half because we wanted to make it more accessible to people in our uh, community. So it's $99. And that really helps our ministry. And it's a great way to help your marriage. So Go ahead and check out ultimatemarriage.com if you want to work on your marriage proactively uh, or if you need uh, some help in your marriage. It's a great resource to get you started. Again, that's ultimatemarriage.com. Today's question comes in from Tracy in Tempe, Arizona, and she asks, I'm struggling to understand the awe and wonder of the gospel. I've seen Christians who just think about the gospel and they begin to weep. I've seen Christians who break out in celebration when they hear someone is converted. To be honest, I don't feel all that emotional about it. I love Christ. I came to Christ as a young girl. I'm incredibly thankful for his forgiveness, but I feel like I'm not seeing what other people see. Can you help me? Okay, Tracy, uh, this is actually a very vulnerable question, so thank you for that. Uh, I think many, many Christians struggle with this very thing. You guys may have noticed the title of this uh, podcast episode is How to Have a Greater Appreciation for Your Salvation. Um, and I really do believe that you're not alone uh, in this desire, uh, Tracy. And I can also confidently say that Jesus wants you to have that awe and wonder regarding the gospel. He wants you uh, to see 
his grace and your salvation in all of its glory. Uh, the Bible actually offers a specific passage of scripture that deals with this exact issue. Um, it's Ephesians 2, 1 through 9. And uh, at the time that this epistle was written, uh, the church at Ephesus and everywhere else for that matter, uh, didn't have an accurate understanding of how fallen they were, uh, how great their rescuer was, uh, you know, and how amazing the gift of salvation truly uh, was for them. Now, Paul addresses this letter uh, in chapter 1, verse 1, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. So one thing I want to point out is that this means that despite their understanding of how great the gospel was, how great the grace they received was, they were still saved. Basically, um, your understanding of all the inner mechanics of the gospel are not required for salvation. You are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. Um, But nevertheless, the Holy Spirit, by the hand of Paul, uh, sought fit to reveal to the church uh, through this letter to the Ephesians how great our salvation truly is. And before I read the text, I just want to make something very clear. Uh, those who understand the weight of this text, not just in their mind, uh, but, but I would say in the seat of their heart, um, those people uh, who, who can really grasp this are those people who weep when they meditate on the gospel. Uh, if you, like Tracy, want to stand in awe of God's amazing grace, uh, you want to have shouts of praises of joy and worship to Christ and revel in the wonder of your salvation, then you must understand this passage of Scripture. So I'm going to read this to you, and then I'm going to explain it briefly because we could spend hours on this, but explain briefly what I'm trying to get across and hopefully that will help jumpstart this process for those of you who are looking uh, for a greater appreciation for your salvation. So let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to be reading in the ESV. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in, what you once, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he had loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus." So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a, res- not a result of works so that no one may boast. Okay, I, um, I once heard one of my professors, uh, Brian Biedebach, Dr. Brian Biedebach at the Master's Seminary, offer probably the best metaphor for this section of scripture that I've ever heard. And it really helps illustrate what this text is trying to teach. Because I know it's hard to hear that and go, okay, that was a lot of scripture. What's really being said here? Well, first, it's broken up really into two parts. 
um, how bad we were and how great God is. Um, and so I'm going to break it down in this phrase that Dr. Biedebach had used that I think will help give you a general understanding of where we're going to go today. Um, this is probably a, almost a word for word quote. It's from memory. Um, when you are rescued from danger, the greater the danger you are rescued from, the more grateful you will be for the rescuer. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. I want you to pay attention. Uh, when you're rescued from danger, the greater the danger that you're rescued from, the more grateful you will be to your rescuer. So let me give you two stories that I think will help illustrate uh, what I'm trying to uh, talk about here. Um, the first story is, uh, imagine if you were in a burning building and you were on the seventh floor and you couldn't escape. Uh, you're surrounded by flames and the only door out is engulfed in fire. Uh, the smoke gets so bad that you eventually just pass out. But a firefighter wrapped in a uh, flame retardant suit runs up the stairs, finds you unconscious wraps you in a fire-resistant blanket and carries you down the stairs. And as he's coming down to the last flight of stairs, about to get close to the lobby, he hands you off to another firefighter to carry you out. And as you escape, the building collapses and kills the man that rescued you. Okay, that's story number one. Story number two. Uh, imagine that you're outside in your backyard and you're trying to get a tan. And your neighbor walks by and says, ma'am, uh, your back is looking a little red. You might want to put some sunscreen on. Ultimately, he saved you from a sunburn that might have been quite painful. So which of these two rescuers will you be more grateful for? Which of these two men uh, would you honor more and respect more, the firefighter uh, or, or the neighbor? Well, we obviously know the answer is the firefighter, right, who gave up his life in an extremely dangerous circumstance to save your life. And, and that's really what this passage in Ephesians is trying to do. Uh, Paul is offering us, as Christians, the context of our saving story. Uh, this section of scripture really could be just titled, What Really Happened When You Were Saved? Right? As, as humans, we have, like, we, we just have this tendency um, to not see. Uh, how incredibly blessed we are, meaning that we have to realize that self-love is blinding. And while we may think that prior to Christ, we were just, uh, you know, struggling through life or that we just needed a little help to get back on the right track, that's not what this passage is saying here. This passage is teaching that you weren't just sick or struggling you were catastrophically dead. Uh, you weren't following your own plan and your own dreams. You were following the course of this world and you were following the prince of this world, that's Satan. Uh, you were like a corpse laying in your own feces and vomit. And you were just picked up by like a flash flood and you were floating down a black river of sewage that just eventually turned into a waterfall that fell into the mouth of a volcano. Okay, this was your way. This was your identity. You, you weren't a good person. You were a son or daughter of disobedience. You weren't righteous. You were a child of God's wrath. 
Okay. In, in other words, what this is teaching us is you weren't rescued from a sunburn. You were rescued from eternal fire. Okay, but then in verse 4, uh, after that first, this first three verses, which we'll read it again here in a minute, they gave us that context there of how bad we were. But then in verse 4, we hear what is likely two of the most amazing words in the Bible. It says, but God. Okay, Paul, Paul just gets done delivering this gruesome and sobering account of what is likely to all of us when we hear it, an absolutely tragic understanding of our state prior to knowing Christ. And then he transitions from the bad news to the good news. And again, what makes the good news so good is that there's bad news. And that was the bad news. And he makes this transition with two words, but God. And I want to read that entire passage of scripture so you can kind of listen this time with a little bit of context. So I'm going to read chapter two, verses one through nine, one more time. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, the only proper response to this passage when you comprehend it is just to fall down and lay on your face and let the words, all glory be to God, all glory be to God, all glory be to God, fall off your lips until you can no longer speak. Okay, I, I just think about the words that are in Romans 12, 1 that says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to, to God, which is your reasonable service. Okay, this text shows us the great danger and the great rescuer. Okay, the, the only response that is proper is worship. It's worship. It's reveling in the glory and the majesty and, and just the gratitude of the work that has been accomplished in your life by Christ. And I want to make one point really clear because we don't have a lot of time. I want to make one point very clear. The text doesn't care if you came to Christ as a five-year-old child or as a 50-year-old convicted murderer. Okay, your story of redemption is the same. Okay, verse 3 says, Among whom all we once lived in the passions of our flesh. All of us. And at the very end, it says, And were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, you were both the child and the convicted murderer. You're both dead 
in your trespasses and sins. You were both in bondage to the course of this world and under the leadership of Satan. Okay, You were both ruled by the lusts of your flesh and your mind, and you were both deserving of everlasting fire. Okay, Too often, I just hear this too often, that people have a low view of God and a low view of the grace of God because they don't believe that they were really that bad prior to receiving the gospel. But that's just simply not true. The Bible teaches us that we were all born into sin and that sin is not just an act, but it's also a condition. It's a spiritual disease that leads to death, not just the first physical death, but also spiritual death. And only the stripes of Christ can bring us healing, right? We've heard that verse, by his stripes we are healed. We are healed from the disease of sin. And what I'm trying to tell you here that's so critical is this. In a sense, we all have the same testimony. All of us have the same testimony. Sure, the murderer and the rapist and the Pharisee may have an easier understanding of the gravity of God's forgiveness, but the eight-year-old boy is equally condemned if he has not put his faith in Christ. Okay, your testimony is the same as my testimony. There's some varying differences, but at the end of the day, we are both part of this community of people that Paul talks about in the first three verses of Ephesians chapter two. And so ultimately, Tracy, when you come to an accurate understanding of your redemption story, not just in the mind, as I said earlier, but in the heart, the natural response will be everlasting tears of joy. It'll be obedience, loyalty, gratitude, love. In fact, I would guess that if any Christian could fully comprehend the greatness of God's grace through the gospel of Jesus Christ, they would be so physically overwhelmed with joy and love that they could not even, they couldn't do anything but worship. I bet they would struggle to sleep because of their inability to cognitively revel in the glory of God. They wouldn't be able to do anything without the constant recognition of God's greatness. The only reason that we don't react this way is because we don't comprehend this story fully. And unfortunately, God hasn't chosen to give us that full understanding until we've been glorified with him. So comprehension and revelation and illumination really become the crux of the matter. This is why you are writing this question in Tracy. Your level of awe and wonder of God is a direct result of your understanding of your salvation story. Okay. When, when we have an accurate view of God and his holiness and an accurate view of ourselves, our depravity, and our unworthiness, Christ, who is the bridge between God and man, will be lifted higher and higher and higher in our hearts. We will become more and more passionate worshipers the more clearly we can see the beauty of God, the lowness of man, and the bridge that got us there. We will become passionate evangelists when we see these things. We will be obedient children when we see these things. We will be great commission workers when we see these things. We will be deeply devoted prayer warriors when we see these things. We will be fervent students of scripture when we see these things. We will be loving and gracious and merciful to those around us when we see these things. We will be all these things because of him and what he did for us. 
So this is, this is it, Tracy. This is it for anybody that's listening. We need to constantly go, Lord, give us, give me a clearer view of the gospel. Don't let me attribute anything to me. Show me your great glory. Show me what you've done for me. Show me who I was so that I can appreciate who I am now. Show me why you did what you did. Let me understand these things. And the more clear you get there, the more revelation and illumination the Lord gives you, your reaction will be awe. It will be worship. It will be wonder. And that is the only way to have a greater appreciation for your salvation. Well, as always, guys, I want to leave you with just a few resources that will help further uh, your journey and understanding the appreciation for your salvation and understanding your role uh, as a Christian and how uh, communicating this message to others would be edifying for the church. Uh, you can find this episode at relearn.org. This is episode number 114. Again, it's titled How to Have a Greater Appreciation for Your Salvation. Uh, the two resources I'm going to leave you this week is actually uh, I found uh, a message from my professor, Brian Biedebach, um, on this specific passage of scripture, and it's titled Grace That Is Greater Than All Our Sin. And it's on Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. I put a link to that uh, available for you to watch. Uh, on our website. And I also uh, have an article by R.C. Sproul titled, What is Grace? And I believe that'll be a helpful article for you as you're comprehending and uh, trying to get a clear and more accurate understanding of what a biblical definition of grace is. Uh, on that note, uh, if you guys are regular listeners to this episode or to this podcast, would you guys just do me a favor and leave a review? Your reviews are so encouraging to us. If you write something, you don't need to write something. You could just tap the stars in your podcast app. Uh, but those reviews really do help uh, increase the exposure of this show, and they are encouraging. I do read every single one of the reviews that come in uh, as a written review. Uh, and thank you guys for doing that. Also, um, if you guys haven't yet, consider following us on Instagram. You can find us there. You can also find me at Twitter. Uh, it's just at Dale Partridge. It's the only social media platform that I'm really uh, communicating on at this point. And uh, I do a little bit of writing there. And so those are great spots to find us on the internet. So hopefully this episode was edifying for you. My name is Dale Partridge, and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Christianity. If you're a regular listener to this show, would you prayerfully consider making a donation to support our ministry efforts? Simply visit relearn.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearn.org forward slash donate. And for those looking to explore the idea of joining or planting a church in your home, you can download our free PDF ebook titled The Basics of Biblical House Church by visiting relearn.org forward slash house. Lastly, do you have a theological question you would like answered on the show? Submit your question at relearn.org forward slash question. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. We will see you next Wednesday.